Visit RTI on the web at english.rti.org.tw. You're listening to Radio Taiwan International. Up ahead this hour, it's Jukebox Republic. But we kick off the week first with Here in Taiwan. And welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is Monday, June 8th. I'm John Van Trieste, and joining me here in the studio today is Shirley Lin. Hello. Up next, Taiwan has just eased a number of COVID-19 restrictions. We'll be telling you what you now can do and what you still can't. Plus, how one former teacher is fighting to save her language. And we'll be talking about how Taiwanese people are eager to travel domestically. All that coming up next. Please stick around. So, uh, have you seen e these e-bikes that are starting to take to our roads? E-bikes? Yeah, the electric bicycles. Okay. They're kind of, I don't oh, know. Oh, like I think can... I know about that, right. Well, unfortunately, they're not really very regulated, and they have been involved, it looks like, around Taiwan with three, more than 3,000 accidents in the last year. What? Causing over 2,500 injuries and deaths. Um. So, and a lot of these are, uh, maybe not surprisingly, people aged 15 to 70, 17 who were uh, responsible for like 493 accidents and 420 injuries and deaths. Mm. Uh, and that's up from five years ago by uh, more than four times, it looks like. So uh, Jiang Wan'an, who is a lawmaker here for the KMT, is joining up with the Jinchun Child Safety Foundation to try and uh, strengthen up some rules so he won't be hit on the streets. <laughs> um, uh, one of the things is that there's no license required to operate them so they're popular with students but and, they want and there's no age uh, requirement no. um oh. so one of the things they want to do is set a minimum minimum age of 14 to operate the bikes because uh, they're kind of like that scooters be... almost aren't they uh, yeah yeah um, they are they're not like regular bicycles that anyone no. can ride there's like between it's like a a cross between a bicycle and a motorcycle i've never yeah i've scooter. never been one myself but yeah. i can imagine at the speeds that they go that being hit by one would not be pleasant mm. like you might be okay with a regular very bike quiet yeah so they can sneak up on you and uh, the other thing and i'm not sure how this is going to go um they want people to apply for a government rebate after you buy one, and then you have to pass a safety course. So it sounds like a, not a driver's license, but kind of. <laughs> um, well, I think it's necessary, though. But here's where I don't think... So the minimum age is they want it to be 14. Here's why I think they might run into problems. They want drivers to buy insurance. Uh-huh. Is, is that going to be affordable for a... For a 14-year-old? 14-year-old, yeah. Well... You know it'll be the parents paying for that. <laughs> Go through a vehicle registration and inspection process and apply for license plates. If this sounds like something that's a bit much for students. Yeah, it sounds so complicated. I don't think... I don't that, think that's going to go anywhere. Yes, yeah, I know. Uh, but I like the idea of uh, maybe making people have a... Well, I don't know. Does, people have to pass a driver's safety test, and how do, that doesn't really seem to stop accidents from happening either, does it? So no. who knows? Um 
but uh, yeah, it's mainly like middle school students that they're looking at here. They're uh, looking at a recent survey. The, found, the president of this foundation said that more than a quarter of junior high school students have ridden an e-bike, and uh, like 11% of them said they've been in some kind of accident. The number of them keeps growing. There's now close to 500,000 of them, so they're trying to like sort of, uh, I don't know, put some rules around the, the operation of these uh, things so that if you get hit, there's, there's insurance involved and, and so forth. I don't know. Um, so you mean 500,000 as in the number of e-bikes that they have all over in Taiwan? Taiwan? Yes. Oh, um, I haven't seen them. Maybe I haven't been noticing in Taipei. Well, it's uh, they're kind of, the scooters are kind of, I think, uh, more yeah. common still, but Sure, sure. I don't know. Um, we've already, uh, it looks like a year ago, amended some rules about e-bikes so that now you have to wear a helmet, for instance. Okay. You can't, like, alter them mechanically. Like, I know people oh. like to trick out their cars and stuff, and that's also, a, I think, illegal. It's the guys who like to do that, right? <laughs> and there are speed limits that for these uh, that are set specifically for e-bikes. I don't know where they're posted. They're... They can run very fast, actually. Yeah. You know? Um, but it looks like there's getting some traction, uh, not related to this particular push, but 22 lawmakers more recently did sponsor a bill to try and set a minimum age for these things and require all insurance registration. And that's in the committee, in committee now. So uh, I know that where I am, there are a lot of very careless, um, shall we say, <laughs> scooter riders. Mm hmm. So, and I live in a place with a lot of narrow, winding alleys, and they just come flying down them without really particularly looking where they're going. Um, I know. Some people make a turn without even turning around to see if there's any car coming. A lot of them are one know. ways, and that sort of seems to be more of a suggestion than... I think a lot of it's lack of posted signs, too, telling you, I mean, if you wander into an alley and aren't quite sure, it may be one way technically, but there's nothing to tell you that, so... Yeah, they they should put up that sign, you know, the red th sign. Yeah, there's the, none of that. <laughs> um, I think at the most, there's traffic mirrors to help you see what's coming. Right. So. Yeah, they should be put in more obvious um, places, you know. So maybe it's not just e-bikes we need to be cracking down on, transportation safety-wise. But it's a good start. I mean. Uh, I can I can easily imagine being hit by one. <laughs> I mean, and, and uh, the cars at least have to slow down to avoid scraping. That's how narrow some of these alleys are. But right. bike bikes, uh, e bikes, and scooters they can they do they can and do go flying. Well, just yesterday, the government has started easing off some of the restriction they put in place to try and stop the spread of COVID-19. They succeeded. Uh, we haven't had a new case, domestic case, in more than a month now. So, yeah. uh, fingers crossed that keeps up. Uh, what are they relaxing, and what can are, are we still not able to do? So, what are they relaxing now? They're relaxing control measures on trains and domestic flights. Okay. Uh, that's after June 7th. And um, so, what day is today? Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, it was started. yesterday. Right. So, passengers taking Taiwan Railways Administration and high-speed rail trains will still be required to have the temperatures checked at the gate, of course, and uh, wear a mask. Up to that point, though, because then afterwards, you're allowed to remove the mask if certain conditions are met. This is kind of interesting. So as you get in the sign of train. When you show up, they take your temperature. You have yeah. to have a mask, mask on. Mask on. But once but, you're inside the train, right. if conditions... Now, I wonder how they're going to... What are those conditions? <laughs> uh, you can take your mask off. Right. Well, these conditions include observing proper social distancing. So I guess 
there'll be certain seats where you're not allowed to sit in or mm-hmm. something and respecting the barriers put in place to keep people apart. Have you taken the train lately? There are barriers put up. I have not. Yeah. So, and the same rules, oh, well, the same rules apply to post offices. And I've noticed that, you know, they're pretty strict at the they post are. office near where they I'm They check at. your so, temperature. Wait, don't get in there. You know, you need your temperature taken and put it on your mask, put it on your mask right now. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Even though they keep the door open. You know, which I feel safer instead of like, you know, at a post office. There's but some anyway. circulation. Because yeah. post offices are, are happening places here. There's a lot more than just postage going on. They're banking, insurance, yes. investments. Right. There's a lot of financial stuff that they are involved with as well. So, know, especially for the older people. It's, yeah. it's never empty at a post office here. <laughs> I know, isn't it funny? And then, um, well, so they're actually allowing more, you know, flexibility for social activities inside of post offices now. I've never seen like- social activities... <laughs> I don't know. What social activities have you seen at a well, post office? Have you noticed how post office actually they do sell certain uh, items? Yeah, like stamps you know? and commemorative no, no, stuff. No. Oh no! But besides that, sometimes they kind of promote like I don't know, like I know, you know you're salad about. oils and things like that, cooking oil and I, that kind of stuff. I, I have. It's seen kind that. of weird. <laughs> um, no, it's to help farmers. I think oh, they're like that, well, that makes I've sense. I've seen rice. See. Well, that, like, so those are the social activities, okay? That's not really social, shopping. But, I mean, yeah, okay, shopping, shopping. Anyway, and then also, um, now there's, uh, you know, since we've not had domestically transmitted uh, co- infections uh, for 56 straight days now, as of reporting of this uh, story, that uh, which actually represents that four 14-day incubation periods, that, you know, quarantine periods for the disease. So have we're passed. pretty safe. You have passed. So restrictions are eased, and then passengers will be allowed to eat on trains. Actually, I think that has already started even before the student seventh, from what I know. Hmm. And then domestic flights, eating on domestic flights well, too. How, there's no domestic flight that's more than like an hour long. Like, why would you need to be served food? Uh, anyway? Drinks? Oh, uh, maybe, maybe. Sandwiches, cookies, nuts. Don't we know. don't really have very far to fly domestically, <laughs> um, so. but trains. Yes, uh, eating on trains is a, is a, actually. There's uh, certain meals that are served that are actually popular in their own right. Right. Some right. places are famous for their local versions yeah. of this. Even so. I know when 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 eating was starting to be allowed on the trains. You know that uh, fulong um, being down the fulong lunchboxes That's the one was, I was sold of. out. That's the one I was thinking like of. It was like sold out. Everybody missed them for the last couple of months or something. I'm not quite sure because I've had one. What yeah. it is that's diff- makes that's, their makes lunches special. different from the ones you can buy at other stations. Yeah, I, I'm not I know. sure what the difference is, but anyway, people people s- people swear that they're different somehow. So <laughs> now you can eat them once again on your train journey. That's right. And um, proper, if proper social distancing cannot be maintained on the train or aircraft, passengers will be required to wear a mask for the entire time. So is there going to well, be like a conductor you, how, walking I through? I know, right? I mean, how would you know whether social distancing is really being maintained or not, whether it's hmm. On the followed. bullet train, on the high-speed rail that you mentioned, they yeah. do have people walking through. Yes. Um, whether people were collecting trash or... They have attendants, basically, for doing different things, selling drinks and yes so i guess i can see how that they could like while they're at it tell people to put a mask on but right the ordinary trains so exactly so a trains on you know tra and high-speed rail trains merchandise will be sold on board again i don't why was that not why did they stop selling merchandise that's not going to give you covid19 oh it would I mean, you know, the like, sneeze here. Well, I mean, you've got, I mean, gosh, I mean, as much as I have to tell you, actually, you know, like on airplanes, there have been um, like flight attendant who actually 
was, um, you know, wrote a blog and saying that um, you think that all the flights are being cleaned and disinfected after each flight. Actually, you don't know where all the nukes are that the disinfectant doesn't get to. Yeah, but again, so merchandise though, like, and what what we mean by that is they sell like for train enthusiasts, like model trains or like toys for kids. I was thinking about snacks. But anyway, oh, merchandise, merchandise, merchandise. I don't, I don't see. It's like stuff, not edible stuff, like collectible stuff. Because you're thinking they're packaged Branded anyway, stuff. so it should be all right. I, yeah, I don't quite get why that but was banned. What, hey, germs can get on packaging. Well, they could get on your ticket too. I mean, you still yeah. have to have a ticket. It's so. <laughs> If everyone's wearing a oh, mask wow. and washing their hands. Mm. Anyway, so that's allowed again for some yes, reason. Yes, that's allowed again. And then also the Puyuma and Taroko express trains are again offering tickets that allow a maximum of 100. Well, they're limiting the number of passengers, 120 passengers on each train to stand. Oh, standing room. Then No, standing. Puyuma trains you're not allowed to stand on. This is funny because it says You can't stand. stand on them. When traveling during long holiday periods. Maybe during a holiday Have they period, started? Yeah. When the last time they it's been, it's been a while now. Actually, tickets. before that accident was the last time I rode one of those trains, really. But no, they they announce frequently that there is no standing room. No. Oh, so I don't know. They must have started that some time ago. Yes, and then all non-reserved tickets will also become available again for travel on high-speed rail trains, and the staff will monitor passenger volume. Yeah, when you do that, right. you're gonna have to make sure that not too many people are. That must be rough because there's a lot of that's a very vital connector to most, between most of Taiwan cities, right? Mm. And it used to, what we, what we mean by non-reserved is that you show up and buy a ticket. Yeah, and you can usually you can if there's no room you can stand like right. around Chinese New Year it's always standing room only. I know, but uh, if they're like making you reserve in advance, so you can't just spontaneously decide to go anywhere anymore. Mm. So uh, yeah, that yeah. Anyway, and the Puyuma and Taroko Express because those serve the East Coast, they're and popular. They're hard to get tickets on in the best they of are. times. Yeah, they're sold out very quickly, and in fact, oftentimes the only way you can get to where you need to go is by buying multiple tickets in stages between such and such a stations. You're oh. seated in this carriage and this seat. Then you have to move to an entirely different carriage because someone else has bought your seat for the remainder of the journey. Oh, so that's what it is. And I've Andrew had to, did that before. I've had to change seats four times just to get to <laughs> Hualien. It's a two-hour journey. So with limiting passenger social distancing, it's pretty much impossible to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I and... guess being able to travel at all. Mm. And the last thing that can remove restrictions are uh, is like controlling crowd size and traffic flow at freeway service stations. Okay, so like rest stops. Yeah, rest stops. And then national scenic areas and amusement parks. Hmm. Yeah. Gotta so. have amusement parks. Yeah. Is there anything we're not allowed to do still? Uh, not allowed to do. I read that, like like I said, they're going to still limit numbers of passengers on certain aircraft. I mean, right. certain trains. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not completely... It's just totally. eased. Yeah, just eased. Not ended. Not so totally. fingers Instead crossed. Wear your mask and um, wash, wash your, hands. your hands frequently. Mm-hmm. Well, um, in it says in Pingdong County here, there is a language that is only spoken by about 500 people. I should say a variety of a language. It's sort of a, a, a local dialect. Um, as you know, as much as Taiwan has been trying to preserve its indigenous languages, often what ends up happening is that all, everyone opts to study one particular dialect, and that means that some quite different versions of the same language spoken in other areas 
get neglected a bit. And uh, so anyway, uh, this former teacher who goes by the name of Du Fuju. Uh, is in Dao commun- the Dao community of Utai Township, where they have their own form of the Rukai language. And she just decided that she was going to do everything she can, because the number of speakers is dwindling and aging, and come out with a book to sort of uh, teach. Record that, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, she said that uh, she spent more than a decade researching this and finally has created some teaching material based on everything she's recorded. And uh, uh, I haven't seen it yet. It's, it has quite a broad and, I think, difficult task because it's aimed at preschoolers regular students, and adult beginners. Wow. That's a broad That's a range of needs. very broad range. What preschoolers need is very different than, I think, from what adult beginners might yeah. need. Anyway, that's what she's done. And uh, what makes me happy about this is I've sat in on some classes. I did some shows about this a long time ago, about uh, teaching in schools these languages. And... Uh, and I've bought some books that are similar to this, just out of my own interest, and the problem is that uh, there's lots of vocabulary, pronunciation, and stuff about culture, which is all unnecessary. But the grammar, it's such a different and necessary part of the language to be able to like even put a, a, set, a sentence together that makes sense. Oh. You have to learn the, these particles, and it's, it's you know, much more like the Tagalog or the languages of the Philippines. They have a grammar that's completely different from Mandarin Chinese. If you grew up speaking that... Uh, and it's not explained to you, you're just going to learn a lot of words without knowing how to put them together. And so you can't speak the language, no matter how many... Anyway, mm. uh, they, there's sentence formation is in here, and that's really important, because uh, if people just know how to say dog, I mean, what can you do with that? I dog. And maybe a, how do you make that into a sentence, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, she said it's been a race against time because there was, she had to consult with elders about whether this or that is right. And she says it's not going to be her last publication. She'll, she's going to keep going. Uh, and yeah, like I said, uh, the Rukai language has six different vernaculars, like local varieties. And pretty much everyone who studies it in school, though, opts for the Utai version. And uh, she's afraid that her own version of the Rukai language could okay. disappear in the next oh. 20 to 30 years completely. Uh, mm. So the local township mayor thanked her. And uh, I'm not sure uh, how this is going to be used because there are official textbooks. I don't know if this is going to be... But I think maybe in the community, like at cultural centers and so forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she says she hopes she's hoping what, what, what her book will do uh, it will be also to encourage other people in the community to start creating their own teaching materials so that it's not, there's more more voices, more options, you know, mm-hmm. if one book... Because I just can't imagine a, a a book appealing to preschoolers and adults. Like, I know. They wouldn't be reading it. They'd just be I mean, taught it, have, especially the preschoolers. Right. Um, and I don't think that's the way that anyone can learn a language. I mean, uh, kids, I mean, they have to be exposed to it. Naturally not. Yeah. But you do, you know, if you really want a kid to want some, any, anybody to master, you should start from when you're young. That's true. It gets harder as you grow as an but adult. But with so many, you know, that are older speakers, they do need adults to, to learn it too. And mm. uh, so many books that I have are just collections of words. Or they'll have sentences, but it's like a phrase book. They don't tell you how they came up with a sentence. So you can't make your own sentences. Oh. You know what I mean? Like you uh-huh. can memorize, I like the dog. 
So, but what if I wanted to say I have a dog, or I the dog the dog likes me? You know, reverse uh, that. You can't do that. You can only. And so I find that it's pretty much not helpful at all. I hope that this book is different. Taiwanese people have itchy feet these days, and with really no prospects of being allowed to—well, they could travel abroad, but having to be quarantined when they come back—I mean, mm-hmm. it's not very practical. They're looking inward to Taiwan itself. They're excited to travel domestically. Yes, a recent survey uh, showed that a total of 78% of Taiwanese are interested in taking short local trips. Mm-hmm. And um, this was a, a, an online poll conducted by Mastercard, and seventy-eight percent of the five hundred respondents said they're interested in taking like two to three day trips around the country, uh, which is an increase of forty-eight percent of those who want to do so before the yeah. pandemic hit. I wrote a, a short report on this. Actually, the survey—it's um, interesting the, the increase. I guess people with nowhere else to go, people are discovering, hey. Actually, there's so much to offer. Like our own backyard has to offer. I know we've been cooped up too long so, <laughs> indoors. I heard so. that the place that most people want to go is either the East Coast or the outlying islands, which I think is not fair to group together because some of the outlying islands are way far away from the East Coast. Right. It's kind of like how do those two? Yeah. Anyway, uh, there's no breakdown of that. That's just the two together are the top, followed by Tainan in the south, mm-hmm. and Tai the, the Taichung or central Taizong. area. Right. Is it comes in third place, and then Sanghua and Nantou County in the south at ten percent. Cent- that's central. Yeah, that's central lowest, Taiwan. Yeah, central. Uh, where would you want to go? I would want to go to Taitung. So east. you're part of the first group. That's the East Coast. Yeah. And why is that? Well, I've only been there once, and I really loved it. You know, it's nothing like there's nothing like a city here. There, it's really countryside. It's just, yeah. you know, so relaxing. You know, there's the mountains, there's the green, but then there's also the sea. And I even have a friend who's, um, you know, she's it's coming up on summer vacation, and she says she's gonna. I want to interview her, and she said, "Oh, but you know, I I'm gonna be in Dulan in Taitung for a month." And I'm saying, "Whoa, that's an vacation for a town. month." Yeah, well, she's actually doing kind of like work holiday kind of thing mm-hmm. there, you know, in exchange for accommodation. And yeah, and I was like, wow, that's so nice. I would want to do something like that. <laughs> I know? have a friend who who spends a lot of time working there. Um, uh, yeah? He's a professor in the States, so I think okay. uh, obviously right now it's probably not... <laughs> Not possible right now, right. but uh, yeah, uh, it's definitely a, a place I've heard a lot of nice things about. Yeah. So, have you been to Dulan then? No, I've just heard about it. I've been oh, to Taidong, which is the broader area where it is, but yeah. never to the town itself. Right. It is, uh, uh, I think, how did we describe it? In a, in a video we did recently, we said it's an, an oasis of calm in a chaotic world. And I think that really sums <laughs> up nicely really, what Taidong yeah, yeah, is. That, it is. It is. That's it's same Im- here. I, Im- I, that's how I feel. It's impossible to feel stressed there, almost, somehow. Somebody I interviewed has a house there. <laughs> that would you be know? nice. Some, oh, no, I, two people I interviewed has, have houses there. So, I, I think... I, we, I also fall into that first camp. Mm. We're, we're, we're all East fans of the East Coast. Yep. Um, well, what about the other two places, Tainan and Central Taiwan? What do you think those have to offer? Oh, well, Tainan is a great place for history. And food. You know? And food. I was just going to say those two things. But it's much definitely. more urban. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. More still urban. a very relaxed and sort of, a like you said, historic feel to the town. Mm-hmm. Uh, it mm-hmm. was, uh, I mean, it's been there since the 1600s when the Dutch yeah. were, uh, you know, set it up. Yeah. And Well, Taizhou in central Taiwan, I know it's, you know, it's got nice weather. It's definitely um, more sunny 
than compared to Taipei. <laughs> that's not a very high bar. Okay, and and they have a lot of outdoor cafes. That's right. a great place for those. But yeah. Central Taiwan also includes Nantou County, which is another. Uh, I don't know. I have calm in the storm, isn't it? Gone only once. That's yeah. where Sun Moon Lake is. Okay, and it's just an hour or so from Taichung itself. Well, actually, so they've got more than one. So. Okay, what, all right. Central Taiwan has a mix of urban and serene yes. rural, so it's got the best of both worlds, I yeah, guess. Right. Well, uh, I guess I, I haven't been out to any of those places in a long time either. We should plan a trip. We should. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for today's edition of Here in Taiwan. I'm John Van Trieste, and I'm Shirley Lin. In just a moment, it's more of Shirley on Jukebox Republic. Stick around. <laughs> Welcome to Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin at Radio Taiwan International. Recently, a friend of mine reminded me to think of a hobby because as we grow old and uh, near retiring and uh, becoming empty nesters, that it's important to have a hobby. Well, she's into oil painting herself, and actually, she's about to hold her own very first exhibit uh, this year. Yes. And um, so she said that I should do the same. Well, I couldn't think of anything really, and then I got invited to an event. Uh, it was about a couple who's in the UK who recycle retired water hoses from the fire departments and use them to make luxury bags. Then I realized that anything to do with recycling, environmentally friendly topics, excite me. So I went to the event, thinking that maybe it can lead me to some sort of hobby. So here's a song called "Hobby," 嗜好 by Gu Juqi. Shangti 宁可赖在家里
幸福的味道。是好就是将你拥抱，要做你最暖和的依靠。总是想替你烦恼，想代替你感冒，舍不得你失去微笑。想要的我都尽量做得到，有多费力劳心都不重要，心里全都是幸福的味道。是好就是将你拥抱，要做你最暖和的依靠。总是想替你烦恼，想代替你感冒。舍不得你失去微笑，总是想替你烦恼，想代替你感冒，舍不得你失去微笑。Well, that was、uh, Gu Juji with the song "Shi Hao," which means hobby. You've just tuned into Jubas Republic. I'm Shirley Lin, and I'm talking about finding a hobby for myself.、Um, uh, I was reminded by my friend who said, "As we grow older and、uh, nearing retiring age, we need to find a hobby so that we don't get bored at home." And just、uh, stare at your husband only. <laughs> okay. Anyway, it's a joke. So I、uh, realized that anything to do with recycling, environmentally friendly topics,、um, I get excited and I get interested. So I was invited to this event, and it has to do with you know recycling. And so I went, thinking that maybe I can somehow find a hobby that way. So、uh, it was held at this、uh, great co-working space kind of place. It's a building by itself, twelve-story building, but. Actually, it's a multifunctional building, in right in the smack middle of、uh, Taipei City. The top floor was where we had the event. It had very high ceiling with a huge projector screen and everything. And I guess if it weren't for social distancing, it would have seated, I don't know, maybe sixty or a hundred people. I don't know, maybe a hundred is too many. But、um, but it was about just for thirty people, and、uh, so we kind of sat at a distance from each other.、Um, now the wife. Of、uh, Elvis and Cressy、um, brand of bags, the wife was the keynote speaker.、Um, of course, it was an online、uh, kind of、uh, event.、Um, she was online because she's in the UK. So Cressy and her husband Elvis, they、uh, started a business、um, of uh, recycling um, these uh, thrown away water hoses from fire departments. So what happened was that Cressy said that, and when she was younger, she had always wondered what happens to garbage. So she visited several trash dump places,、um, close enough for to, her to get to, even though she couldn't drive. And、um, so, and she came across one place where it had tons and tons and tons of thrown away red hoses, right? 
the hoses, the water hoses in in the UK are red ones. Um, uh, red, these red water hoses from fire departments. They were ready for landfill, and she studied what material they were made of. She did that by going to the um, the UK library, and um, she found it's a very sturdy material, and it's long lasting. Taiwan's uh, water hoses are white colored, but somehow the ones in the UK are red. And um, she realized that she can use uh, that material and make them into bags, sustainable and ethical luxury bags, handmade, and half of the proceeds goes back to the firefighters' charity. She said that in the UK they have more than sixty thousand firefighters, so the couple became well known for their cause. Of course, the bags are more expensive than. You know the bags that I have, I wouldn't spend that kind of money buying those kind of bags. But then again, I'm thinking about it. You know the smaller size ones. Um, it's a price that I can accept. And um, anyway, so but but then again, I'm not one into brand name bags. So uh, because Elvis and Cressy bags are competitive with other luxury brands, but the thing is that uh, Elvis and Cressy are not into making money. You know they're doing this for good cause. They're doing this for the environment. So. After the whole thing, and um, I started thinking, well, what do I want to do? What is it that I enjoy doing? You know, I'm not someone who can start a business, not even a social enterprise. I'm more a follower than a doer. So I'm thinking that, well, I can help out with someone who's actually who already has a social enterprise, and uh, I can go to the, her company and help out, and maybe that would be my hobby. And uh, for sure, fashion interests me. You know, um, anything to do with fashion interests me. Not that I'm a professional in fashion; I wouldn't say that. I'm just someone who has good taste and knows how to dress up myself. But on somebody else, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not that kind of expert. I can't say I'm an expert in fashion and I know everything. You know, no, I wouldn't dare say that. But interestingly, at the end of the session, and after a Q and A session, and we were networking, you know, socializing, I got talking with two women who were into fashion. One works for a big textile company in Taiwan, I think, and she's a, as a designer. But she really wants to do her own thing, you know, become her own designer. And I was telling her, I said, "Hey, you, you, you heard what Cressy said. You know, you better make sure that you keep your job." And and then do this thing that interests you on the side, okay? Because you want to make sure they have some kind of income. And um, anyway, so there was also another woman, definitely a fashion icon herself, with the way she was wearing that uh, that day. She was telling me about studying, in that she's into studying how to turn plastic into cotton, like AI cotton. That's what she said. She says, "Do you know that we can already do that?" Yeah, we do. We we do already know how to turn plastic into cotton. It's been a while, so that's what that's how polyester came about. But I was thinking, wow, AI fashion, wow, that would be amazing. But I'm I'm just into fashion. Maybe I can think of something, uh, think of think of a hobby that's do with fashion. I don't know. I'm still thinking. Here's a song called "Fashion Industry," 时尚工业 by Xi En.
心不好也别买醉。听完我的时尚美学，人人都能出来拔腿。comes back to what do I want to do? What am I interested in? What can I find as a hobby for myself? Maybe it takes attending more than one of these kinds of workshops or events to find my niche. And I'm actually not even sure if this is the field. The world of ecosystems and eco-friendly projects, you know, um, recycling, if that's where I'm going to find my hobby. But maybe one thing for sure, though, is that it's got to do with fashion. Because I'm thinking it's total coincidence that out of the 30 people who were there that day at the event, I met two women whose background has to do with fashion. 
And I only really talked to four women that night. And here's another song called Stylish, Shisang. Life has no meaning if you can't dream. People tell me who I am, but I can't be. I can't breathe if I ain't free. And I ain't never gonna change for the world because it ain't me. I ain't nothing if I ain't real. Stay true to myself, cause I got feelings that you can't feel. Live life the way you gotta live. Getting caught up in politics makes it hard to stay positive. And all of this, all I ask is you understand and you forgive my mistakes from the past. Cause I'm just a man trying to roll right. And I don't wanna pretend for my whole life, right? Will the choices I make keep me on the road? Can a man change his fate? I don't know. 
But I'll never know if I don't try So I keep rolling on, keeping hopes high And when you see me roll by, try not to judge Cause it's only in yourself that you gotta love Otherwise, you never seem to have enough You never have as much if you're concerned with the other guys And if you learn that, baby, then you can rise Never need to doubt yourself, cause it's a damn lie Just trust that you got what it takes And you're gonna be alright if you got faith Well, that's it for Jukebox Republic. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm Shirley Lin. And maybe if you have any ideas for me about what kind of hobby I should pick up, maybe you can write me at Shirley Lin, that's one word, S-H-I-R-L-E-Y-L-I-N, at rti.org.tw. Until next week, this last song coming up is called Environmental Protection Song by Xie Xingzhi.
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.